remember the uh, 80s TV show Cheers, the theme song that talked about going where everybody knows your name? You know, we all need friends. Even the most introverted of us needs the fellowship of another person as we make our way through life. And as a Christian, a seeker after the kingdom of God, it's even more important that we have people in our lives who help us stay on track, who, as the writer of Hebrews says, spur us on to love and good deeds. That person in our lives is often called a mentor, and men mentoring men is our topic today on the Alba podcast. Welcome, friend, to the Alba podcast, where we talk about ways to realize more of the presence, promise, and power of the kingdom of God in our lives. I'm Rusty Rabin, and joining me as always is the founder and principal of the Fellowship of Alba, T.M. Moore. T.M., our guest today is... uh, shall we say, passionate about this topic, men mentoring men. Introduce us to him. I would say that's an understatement. (laughs) Dean Stinchfield, who has been a friend of mine now for almost 20 years, we were involved together in a ministry at the Colson Center of uh, Chuck Colson's ministry. Dean has been in business for a long, long time, doing work financing capital projects for hospitals. So he's been doing a good work already. But in the midst of that, he discovered that God had called him to mentor young men, starting with middle schoolers and then seeing them all the way into high school and all the way into college. And something about it took, and now it has become a passion of Dean so much so that he's organized a ministry, developed a whole concept for training men of the kingdom. And uh, Dean is a brother in the fellowship of Ialba and a long-term friend, as I say, Dean, we're glad that you're with us here today. Dean Stinchfield, brother, blessings. Good to see you. I'm delighted to be here. I can uh, out at this place where everybody knows your name. So that's Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Dean. Tell us about a little bit about your background and how you got started working with men. Okay. Um, Well, I'm a Christ follower from the great state of Minnesota. You got to start there. Uh, I'm married to a beautiful woman, uh, Lisa. We've been married for 27 years now. Uh, I have a, a one daughter who's married, uh, Sammy, down in, living down in Charlotte, too far away from Big Poppy. Uh, she's married to Joel. And then I have another daughter who um, is working here in the Twin Cities. They both graduated from Liberty University, and now they're close by. So, you know, how I first got to work, started working with men, I guess I've always been involved in teams, whether it's from sports teams or whether it's involved in sales teams. I've always been in sales. And wherever I've been, I found myself uh, surrounded by a, a group of men that were all going on some type of adventure. And when I think about where I've had my greatest joy in my life, kind of like the Eric Lytle story from the Chariots of the Fire, where do I feel God's passion, joy? I find that when I'm um, hanging around, encouraging and equipping other men. And that's just, that's just where I, f- I feel God's pleasure the most. And selfishly, I just want to keep feeling that pleasure and doing more and more of it. You know, the psalmist says, all, all pleasures are at his right hand. And that's so true. So if I can just stay anchored on that, those activities... I find my day just crackles well, and I can't wait next moment. You bring a lot of that energy for disciple making and for seeking the kingdom into our fellowship at the fellowship of Iowa, whenever we're together in our gatherings and other times. 
uh, tell us a little bit about how, how did you get involved with the fellowship? How did that become a part of your own walk with the Lord or your own sense of calling from the Lord? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, would, it kind of goes back to what you referenced, you know, 20 plus years ago, where we both invo- uh, we were involved with Chuck Colson, the Colson uh, Center and the Wilberforce Group, where he was training men uh, in the biblical worldview. So I first encountered uh, TM and the crew there. And through my studies, I just really appreciated uh, that intentional mentorship and also that that nonstop quest to keep going from holy to holy and, and pushing forward. Uh, it, it felt like we were on this great adventure. And while I was there, uh, TM and crew asked me to help along with some of their advanced training. So uh, Colson will pull together 100 men or 100 people to go through uh, the Centurion uh, program. And I worked with TM to develop some advanced training for people after they had gone through one year. We would then provide training and offerings to help advance advance their understanding and uh, utilization of the biblical worldview. And what I found in working uh, with TM was one of those rare breeds of men who would challenge me and love me enough to give me the knockdown fastball. I know he's a, you know, an old Bob Gibson fan, and he learned more than just good baseball from Mr. Gibson. And TM was a, a godly mentor in my life where he would not allow me to sit still and plateau. He would provoke me unto godliness. And that was something that all men need. All men need a Paul in their life to help uh, guide them, to help encourage them. Everybody needs multiple Silas's to go on adventures with, and we all need multiple Timothys. So if God brings a couple people like that into your life, that's a treasure. So as TM made the transition to Fellowship Albi, um, it was, you know, maybe, maybe a salesperson could go hang around that, that group as well. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of wise people in that group, and sometimes they let Ricochet Rabbit and the guy from Minnesota joined the conversation. So. Well, it's been a great joy having you as a part of this fellowship. As you know, Dean, when we get together, just the two of us, it's iron sharpening iron, brother. It's growing together in the Lord. It's a mutual challenge, and it's a great delight for me. Well, that fits right into the idea of men mentoring men. And, Dean, with the training you got uh, through the Colson Center, the Wilberforce Weekends, all of those things, but then come back to your uh, – uh, your work in the business world, what have, what have you found to be the real needs of men in our world today and why it's important that men mentor other men? Well, I, I definitely think it's, it's really important today, but if we can look back and as we see people throughout history and men throughout history from the scripture and outside of scripture, we see men mentoring and helping developing that next generation. You know, I think of the people who did it well, like Moses as he prepared Joshua. As he prepared Joshua for leadership, his leadership role, he ran alongside Joshua and, and helped encourage him and show him the way. You, you, you can see Paul in Timothy constantly giving him new challenges, giving him new responsibilities, and then guiding him as he made his way in life. And of course, Jesus and the 12 disciples, uh, when they wanted to know about him, he just said, follow me. 
he lived life with him. And Coleman talks about in his master plan for evangelism, he brought them close to him and walked alongside those men and continued to give them increasing responsibility, increasing challenges, but also project a vision of what they could be in the kingdom. And yet we see it on the outside too, where Aristotle's uh, working with Alexander the Great. Great. We've seen this pattern of men preparing that next generation for leadership. And over the last 30 to 40 years in our culture, uh, you know, Satan has pushed this moral relativism and we almost have a balkanization that has gone on in our culture, whether it's uh, from an age perspective or from a cultural perspective. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of people feel like, who am I to tell and help instruct someone else? People, they've lost confidence almost in their own manhood. So I think today it's so important for men to to take on that responsibility that, you know, God instructs all the way through scriptures. He's talking to the shepherds in Ezekiel. And if they, if they're not, if they're not tending to their flock as they should be, he'll take away that flock. And this is some frightening passages, but it's also encouraging because God promised he'll be with us. You know, in that great commission, Jesus founds everything and he has all authority He gives us a mission to, as we are going in life, to help teach and develop people. And then he promises to be with us. There's no reason for us to be afraid. We got the greatest of all time and we're filled with resurrection power. Well, get about your business. (laughs) But this moral relativism has kept people in their own little private enclaves. And there's the generational millennial this. Well, I find such great hope in the millennial generation. My great joy is coming alongside these men in their 20s and 30s and helping them run the race that's in front of them. Uh, And what I found is guys that age really desire it. There's something native within us where they're looking for that experience, that, that confirmation, maybe that bit of prophetic insight to help people see what they could be within the kingdom because they're not getting it from the culture so the ministry that you're oh, uh, the ministry that you're developing, Dean, is called Men, Men of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. If people want to find out more about this, they can write to us at the contact form at the Fellowship of Ilba, www.ilba.org, and we'll connect them with you. Your website will be up a little bit later this fall. But this didn't really start out as men in the kingdom. It started out as middle schoolers in the kingdom. I mean, <laughs> you started working with this first group all the way when they were in middle school, and, and, and really for years walked with these young men. And I think that's a lot about where you learned the need for this as you watch these men grow up. Tell us a little bit more about the men of the kingdom, what you're trying to do in this ministry. Well, succinctly, the mission statement for the men of the kingdom, it'll be, and we'll have menofthekingdom.com and menofthekingdom.org, and that will be up in the fall, uh, the fall of 2020. Uh, what, we're go- what we're chartered to do is we're to encourage and equip the next generations of moral leaders in the church. And by doing that, we're going to advance God's kingdom and glorify God in the process. And what we're trying to find that, that group of that younger group of men that are willing to step forward and be those watchmen on the walls that will step forward in the culture. And 
they're willing to you put a little bit of target on their back and just say, listen, if Satan's coming, it's not coming through my turf. You know, this square, this, this piece of earth on either side of me, this is kingdom turf. You're not coming through. And then we're just going to stack people up side by side. And what I try to do is I try to encourage and get a group of older guys like myself um, to run alongside these, these men. And in Minnesota, so often, you know, people have that vision. You work hard. And, you know, in your 50s or 60s, you retire, you go down to Florida in the winter because winter's cold, and then you enjoy the beautiful Minnesota summers. But I'm trying to get these guys and say, listen, it's faith. It's not Florida. Stop checking out, check in, and run, run the race along with these young men um, because it's exciting. We got revival in our time. That's what well, we're looking for. All right, now, well, this is a training program, and this is not – you know, a uh, sort of a typical training program for young men. I mean, you're serving these guys steaks and fillets from the word of God and great Christian <laughs> leaders of the past. Talk a little bit about the curriculum itself, because this is not an easy road. No, in fact, I, I try to challenge people and try to discourage them a little bit, because I want to see if someone's going to respond to that challenge. But, you know, we start out with taking a look at if there's a men of the kingdom, it kind of presupposes something that, that there's a kingdom and there's a king. So we start focusing on the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus is in control and he is advancing his reign and every square inch of the turf is his and he's making all things new. We try to reframe the gospel from the, a small idea gospel of I get saved and one day I get to go to heaven until to, to Jesus has announced that his kingdom has come and is coming and he's at the forefront of an advancing kingdom. And we get a chance to be a part of that. It's an exciting way to go through life. And that kind of moves right into get, get a feel for there's no, there's no change or no difference between the sacred and the secular. So whether I'm a VP of sales, um, whether I'm a paramedic or a pastor at a church or a leader of a, a fellowship, we're all part of that royal priesthood. And everything we do and everywhere we go and every conversation we have echoes into eternity. So we try to get people to see their entire life under that vision of you're on a mission from God. And in addition to, in addition to grounding them in the word of God, which I know you do, the five basic principles that you argue for. Uh, you also expose them to some serious heavyweights from the Christian tradition. I'm thinking of Tozer and Martin Lloyd-Jones and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and some of the others that you put before these young men, and they eat this stuff up. Uh, it, 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 in fact, that's, I try to find a historical example for every leadership principle that we talk about. I try to find a historical person from the past who evidences that. So while we're working on our vertical relationship with God, because you can't give away something you don't have. And so we focus on uh, Tozer is going to lead us in the pursuit of God, that we should have an authentic relationship with God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. God is a God to be known, not just known about. So all of our, all of our, uh, our power is going to flow from that vertical relationship. But then we move over into that horizontal relationship. And I love, bringing people like George Mueller back from the 1800s and his complete radical dependence on God 
And he wanted to evidence that God is a God who can be trusted and we can stand on his promises. And he's going to evidence that through his life. Or when we're talking about moral leadership and a, the moral leader is going to do five things in the culture. A moral leader is going to be a protector of the, co- the culture. They're going to understand and know the people in their mission field and how they're being attacked. Now, we always think physically, but uh, also spiritually. What kind of spiritual attacks are they under? What's their identity? How do we protect and nurture them? We think of, uh, uh, you know, we think of the great heroes of the faith uh, from a protector. You know, I think of William Wilberforce, a five foot three Englishman who when you would look at him as he walked across the street and say, there's one of the great protectors of all time. But he stood up and single handedly faced down the slave trade. And he encouraged those around him in his personal mission field until he protected the least and the lost. You know, or a moral leader should be a priest in the environment. How does he both lead in worship, but also help people to point, where is God just breaking through and lead them, uh, lead them away from the lie to the truth? Now, you see that in Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who goes, walk right into the belly of the beast of the Third Reich and pull together an underground church in an underground seminary and was a priest for an entire continent and gave hope to those around him. A moral leader should also be a prophet. How do I know God's, do I, do I know God's wisdom and God's truth and his promises? And can you help apply that to the everyday circumstances in this crazy world? A prophet speaks God's truth, thus saith the Lord. And he's gonna be, he's gonna bring God's timeless truths in. Uh, he, uh, pro, uh, a moral leader is also a provider. And what a provider does, Think of flourishing. Do you create and in the environment and the people around you an opportunity that they can grow in the Lord? They can grow in their relationship, but grow in the person that God has called them to be. A provider provides opportunities and sometimes just provides space so people can think and breathe in a crazy world. Then a moral leader is also going to be a projector of a kingly vision. That you, what Lord knows that Hollywood's projecting a vision. Politics is projecting a vision. The culture is constantly broadcasting a vision of what is and what's to be. But what a moral leader and what a man of the kingdom will do will project what is King Jesus doing right now? What's going on in his advancing kingdom and to the people in his mission field? That what their role might be in that and kind of project them forward. Get to give them a vision beyond where they are of what they might be. So we talk about moral leadership and then we try, try to... Uh, uh, encourage people to view their entire week uh, on a mission with God. So we have them develop their personal mission field. Every week, a holy God sends us out to a group of people um, with names and uh, concerns and locations. And we're going out to a consistent group every week. Do we know where and to whom we're being sent to? That holy God is sending up with intentionality are we living with that same intentionality to serve that group? Then we talk about developing a personal mission statement. A personal mission statement is how are you uniquely gifted? What are the affections of your heart? And where do you feel God's pleasure overlaid on top of that personal mission field? So that's what you should be doing, where you are going, to whom you are serving. So we try to get people to really live life on mission with God. And then I think one of the unique things that the men of the kingdom encourages, every person that goes through, 
they owe a project. So each person will generally yoke up with one or two other members of the Men of the Kingdom team, and they're going to come up with a project that either attacks evil or promotes the good. And I have no idea what, what is needed in everybody's personal mission field, but the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. And I know that he, um, God is, will uh, accomplish exceedingly and abundantly more than anything that I could ever dream of. So I want to dream, dream great dreams. Thank so I work with guys and try to project what's possible. And then they get together, they pray with the Holy Spirit, and they come up with a project. So the men of the kingdom is not just a project, or a, a series of studies that you go to, and then you skip on to the next study and do another book and so forth. Where Bible studies and, and book studies are important, is an important part of building the church. But the men of the kingdom are tr really trying to provoke unto godliness and really trying to shake up things a little bit. Because I just want revival in our time. Amen. Amen. You're That's listening. a scope of what we try to do. You're listening to the ILBA podcast. I'm Rusty Rabin with TM Moore and our guest today, Dean Stenchfield. We'll get back to Dean in just a moment, but as I'm excited as, about the other stuff. I don't want to hear about me. No, no. <laughs> now, as you were talking about, and you and TM were talking about uh, uh, introducing young men and to some of the great heroes of the past. Uh, that reminded me of a resource that's on our website at alba.org, A-I-L-B-E.org. Uh, there is a devotional guide that can be downloaded for free called Learning from the Giants of the Reformation. TM, tell us a little about that. Well, I think it's good, as Dean has been saying, to dip into some of the great leaders and thinkers in the past who can help to inform our present experience. And we don't expect everybody to go out and order a copy of Calvin's Institutes or to start reading Luther's Pagan Servitude of the Church. But we could give them a sample of that, a taste of that, in what amounts to a morning and evening reader. A little bit of some of it in the morning to meditate on, combined with scripture and prayer, uh, to try to help you look at your life the way these reformers looked at their lives and perhaps to grow closer to the Lord just as they did. So it's a free resource. It's a 28-day devotional, a devotional for the morning and one for the evening. All you got to do is web, go to the website and download it free right from the uh, rotator window there. All right, www.ilba.org, A-I-L-B-E.org. Lots of resources there for personal discipleship, for ministry in a local church. So check it out at uh, www.ilba.org. So, Dean, as we continue to think about men in the kingdom, the training that you do, you've told us about the ideas, the skills, the uh, philosophy, I guess, that you're trying to impart to these, to these young men. Uh, specifically, what steps do you take? You've mentioned Bible studies, book studies, projects, but uh, how, does this, how does this work itself out? A rubber meets the road. Uh, weekly meetings, daily uh, uh, monthly meetings. How, how does it work? Well, what we're doing at this point is we set up uh, a 12-week curriculum where it's really a life-on-life -life, uh, mission. So we generally pull together a team. It's uh, somewhere anywhere between, you know, 10 and 18 men, uh, typically. And I will have one or two older men that will come alongside 
and teach with me. So, so it's not just my voice. I want to have multiple voices speaking into this group of guys. And like I said, we pull together, and right now, but it doesn't have to be, but right now we're using Tozer's Pursuit of God as the framework. So we'll have a weekly meeting, and it's hosted by the leader, whether it's me or other person that might be leading. Hospitality is important. You invite people into your homes so you have an opportunity. They get, you, have to, you have to both know and be known to this if you're really going to lead someone effectively. So what we'll do is we generally have about an hour to hour and 45-minute meetings uh, that we'll, we'll set up. We set it up on a weekly basis. The first 45 minutes, we're working on the vertical axes. Uh, we're, and right now we're using Tozer, but you could use Bonhoeffer's Life Together. There's multiple books you might be able to use. But the key focus is um, anchoring your life and the orientation of your world to your relationship with God. And the fundamental uh, you know, idea behind Tozer is God is a God to be known, not known about. Satan can pass a test uh, on God, doesn't do him any good. So do you know uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? So that's the first 45 minutes. And then we'll, we'll, step, we'll step in the second 45 minutes on a special topic, which might be the personal mission field. It might be the gospel of the kingdom. It might be personal mission statement. And also, I'll try to recruit each week. I'll, I'll have a speaker that will come in and talk on a particular topic. But the key thing is, is trying to find more mature men. I'll, I'll stay away from older. More mature men that will come alongside and speak to this group of guys, and they get an opportunity to hang out with this group, uh, hang out in the social time afterwards, and they begin to bond. It's like they're trying out potential mentor relationships. And what I found is every year, uh, each one of the different men of the kingdom that's going through the process, oftentimes will begin relationship with one, two, or three of the men that will speak in to uh, speak truth into these guys' lives every week. And they'll share opportunities on how, how they've been a priest uh, inside of their family. How have they grown to uh, be a, uh, a prophet inside of their family? So I've, I'll ask each of the speakers to talk on a specific topic of some of the big ideas we're trying to create. Then we end our, our, our session where, you know, it's a really special time. We'll all get on our knees and we'll be praying for each other and interceding. And we'll spend a good amount of time on our knees after we've taken prayer requests that then we send out every week, create a little text group so people, people can be praying for or praying throughout, praying for the whole team throughout the week. So that's the meeting. But in between the meeting is the life begins to happen. So I think as the, the leaders, what we try to do is touch base with the people throughout the week. Uh, I might be uh, sending them texts that I'm praying for them. And I'll generally send uh, a Bible verse because I want to provoke them like, well, why is, Gene, why is Dean going to pray Romans 12, 1 to 2 for me? What's he thinking there? And get them diving into God's word because that's more important than whatever I was thinking anyway. But we try to uh, get them to inter interact. Um, then oftentimes I'm going to be calling the guys throughout the week, asking them if they have any questions. Um, and I, I'm lucky enough to live by a, Beautiful little lake, Christmas lake here. There's a four-mile walk around the lake. So we go on Christmas walks. So two, three times a week, 
I'll ask the young guys to come out and we'll just start walking around the lake. And you can't have a short conversation when you've got an hour plus walk. Okay. Once you start a topic, you're going to get into it. And whether that's on race relations, whether that's on, I got one tomorrow coming up. He wants to dive into the topic of God's sovereignty versus the free will of man. Well, that's, that's more than a couple minute conversation. So we might have to go two laps around Christmas late for that one. Well, now you, you also get your board members involved with these men too, Dean, right? Yep. Each one of the board members is praying for this group. Oftentimes they're interacting during the week. The board members will come in and they'll be a speaker or they're going to come in on zoom. If they can't make it, uh, uh, if they don't have physical proximity, we're going to get that spiritual proximity and we can get that with Zoom. They'll be there as well. So the, the board members also, once the, the, the team we've completed our study and everybody has projects, like we just completed a group of a fantastic team this year, there's eight specific kingdom projects that, come in, that are coming out of that team. And each one of the board members is going to come alongside uh, each one of these projects and uh, we have more projects than board members. So that's a good project. That's a good problem to have. So I'll dip back into former men of the kingdom classes and I'm going to assign uh, someone to coach them as they're launching their project. But also that's going to provide some accountability as well. Let's not leave a good idea. Good. Let's leave a good idea implemented. So Dean, a lot of what you've talked about, and I, I've known you for a long time. So a lot of what you talked about, is what has come out of your own life and your experience being a businessman, a husband, mm-hmm. father, very active in your church all these years and your community. What, what have been some of the things that have helped to form you into a man of the kingdom with a vision for men of the kingdom? What are the inputs in your life that now you're trying to pass on to others over the mm-hmm. course of your development toward this present state of ministry? That's a good question. You know, I, I think back and reflect. It, it's easy to see God's hand moving sometimes in the past. And you can see God forming and bringing you experiences, fulfilling his promises, correcting you <laughs> along the way. Uh, but I think about whether it's my time in business where I pulled together a team of people and I happen to be in the financial sales side of the, uh, of the economy where it's often an um, a world of ideas and concepts and then leadership within those and helping people achieve their dreams or their goals and helping them see something inside of themselves that maybe they didn't see before. I've, I've just found the greatest joy in my life. And you mentioned some of the youth ministry. So I have two daughters and ever since they went into pre-K Sunday school at church, I wasn't going to outsource their, their uh, Christian education any other place. Big Daddy was going to be down there. So I found myself in uh, youth ministry. And as I was kind of going up through, uh, I, was fo- I would follow my oldest daughter for a couple of years. And then I would go back to my youngest daughter and do her for a couple of years. And I kind of cascaded back and forth. But during my centurion time frame, uh, Chuck also required a project. So I was going to do, I led a biblical worldview teaching for the sixth graders at Wooddale Church here in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, where we talked about the historicity of scripture. 
we were talking about, you know, God's sovereign hand in where, where do we come from? Uh, so we, we addressed the issues um, of evolution versus God's active, active design for the world. Um, and I was going through my personal mission statement that I think that that's a document team that you pulled together. And I identified like my daughter's friends and the people at church was part of my mission field. And I, and I, that really, I, I changed my view of things and I became much more intentional. And I remember there's, there's certain kids that were in that class and I would speak and I would develop relationships with them. I'd see them uh, running through the halls and I continue to follow up the ministry all the way through high school. And then as my older daughter went off to college, I realized that God put me together with these men. He's got, he wants me to stay with them. So I would write them letters. I would contact them when they're in college. I even visited a couple. I'd go to their football games if they were playing football. Or I would, I would if I was in town where they might be, I would take them out to lunch. And as I just would come alongside some of these young men, it was some of the great joy of my life. And why not pull together a ministry where your greatest joy and passion is? It's selfish of me. It's kind of John Piper's Christian hedonism. Of This is where I feel God saying, keep going, Dean. Yeah, well, I mean, Good it's job. obvious that uh, God has raised you up for such a time in this. And Rusty, I think you'll mm. agree. This is an exciting concept, and to have this energy flowing into our fellowship is an exciting prospect for our fellowship as well. Oh, it absolutely is. You know, I was reading a book just this week and came across this quote that our calling from God is where the world's deep need meets our deep joy. And that's a way to kind of sense. Dean, sounds like... Uh, this great need in the lives of young men uh, has met where your great joy is in life. Amen. All right. You've been listening to the ILBA podcast with our guest today, Dean Stenchfield, talking about men mentoring men. If you'd like to get in touch with Dean, you can uh, contact us here at the Fellowship of ILBA, and we'll make sure that you get uh, connected with Dean until such time. Uh, as the website uh, for your ministry, Dean, uh, gets launched in uh, October or November of 2020 sometime, and the, the uh, URL will be? Uh, www.menofthekingdom.com and menofthekingdom.org. And the whole goal of the website is to provide the resources for if someone wants to lead their own Men of the Kingdom group, in whether it's in Portland, Maine, or Savannah, Georgia, we're, uh, we'll have digital resources where they'll have all of the documents, but also we're going to have teaching there. Well, we're going to have the video teaching for some of the key topics, and we're also going to be doing podcasts similar to this, trying to go deeper diving into how do you develop a project, or let's talk about um, great priests that we've seen uh, throughout the time or discussing it from a movie. Uh, We'll try to have resources on the website. So if someone wants to lead their own men of the kingdom, we want to make it easy for them and run alongside them and just pour into them. Because what, what we want to see is revival in our time. And I would love to see a map across the United States and the world where the little men of the kingdom groups are popping up all over the place. And each side of those men of the kingdom groups, there's going to be projects. 
And you're, we're going to see revival in our time as that kingdom advance. I think of C.S. Lewis in one of his final quotes. He said, my greatest prayer is that, that hell has a party when I die because C.S. Lewis is no longer on the field. Well, mm-hmm. amen on that one because he was shaking things up. And I just want to see men of the kingdom and the men of the church rise up, defend the least and the lost, advance, advance the kingdom of God. And that's where we're going to see people realizing that there's a king who's on the throne and his, his kingdom is advancing. There's no more passive men, no more passive Christianity. That time's over. Hmm. TM, that sounds like uh, realizing the presence, promise, and power of the kingdom. Sounds a lot like that to me, Rusty. <laughs> Rusty thanks Rusty. so much for being with us, brother. Oh, oh Dean. Dean, it's been a joy to have you with us today, and uh, thank you for listening to the ILBA podcast. Don't forget the resources that are available from the Fellowship of ILBA. Uh, our website, uh, www.ailbe.org. You can go there and download many free resources for your own personal spiritual growth as well as ministry in your local church. Hope you'll join us next time for the Alba podcast. For TM Moore, I'm Rusty Rabin. God bless you. Have a great day. God bless everybody.